If you have your Bibles, as we've already opened, let's go ahead and open up to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. And in light of, we'll be going through Philippians 3, 8, and 9. In light of all this social unrest, I wonder how much of this unrest is rooted in fatherlessness. And fathers are so important for families, for churches, and for societies. And I wonder how much of the problems that we experience in, in, in our context right now is due to fatherlessness. If you're a father, you have an extremely important job to play in society, in this church, and in the family. Keep going, fathers. Keep teaching your children the Bible. Keep modeling what faithfulness looks like, godly, manly characteristics, being strong, being gentle, being loving. I'm very thankful for you. And we need you. This, this world needs godly men, godly fathers. My passage this morning, my sermon this morning, will not be directed to fathers. But in order to be a good father, you need to listen and heed what Paul is teaching us here. I actually have another math equation for you. I don't like math. However... This, this equation is very important. And the equation is this. Jesus minus all things equals everything. Jesus is of such value and worth that you can lose everything in life. You can lose all forms of safety and security and yet still have everything because you have Christ. This passage, Philippians 3.8, let's go ahead and read it together. Starting at the beginning of verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I'm cutting verse 9 off a bit arbitrarily, I'm ending it at that comma. And our passage is, starts at this four in verse eight. We covered the beginning of verse eight last week. I'm starting about halfway through verse eight. And Paul's point here is very similar to the point he made last week. But what he does is he approaches the same topic, and this topic is the goodness of Jesus for you. He approaches this topic from a bit different angle, from the perspective and angle of loss, experiencing loss. So very similar sermon to last week, but from a different angle. And for our first point this morning, if you're taking notes, write this. Experiencing loss. It's experiencing loss. Here at Community Bible Church, we want to get our ideas about life and about God from the Bible. And I want you to look in your Bibles as we go along. This is so important. You cannot take my word for it. We have to see this from Scripture. The authority in this church is the Word of God. I present the Word of God. But I'm the authority only in so much as what I'm teaching goes along with what Scripture says. So right at the beginning of this sentence, the second sentence in verse eight, Paul says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. 
So that's where I'm getting this first point from of experiencing loss. In order to understand what Paul is saying, we have to grasp what Paul means by his forsake, for his sake, whenever Paul says this, for his sake. And what I take Paul to be doing in this passage, in this sentence, is Paul is referring back to the previous sentence in verse eight, what I preached on last week. And there, the thought was, is the supreme value and worth of having a personal relationship with Christ. The value of that leads the value of other things to be diminished. That in light of who Christ is and in light of having a personal relationship with him, that all things, every other thing, ultimately becomes of loss. That Jesus is of such value Knowing him, communing with him, having a relationship with him is of such value that everything else in comparison with that, with him, with knowing him, is of loss. And what Paul does is he transitions to a different thought. And the way I understand this transition for his sake is he's saying, because Jesus, knowing him, is of supreme value and worth, I have suffered the loss of all things. It's because of Jesus' value, because of knowing him, because of his excellency, his beauty, his power, and his mercy for you that we can suffer and experience loss. Now this all things here, for I've suffered the loss of all things, Paul is not talking about everything. Paul is writing from prison and he still has his own life. So at this point, Paul is not saying that he has lost everything. He still has the relationship with the Philippians. Epaphroditus has come and brought him money. So we know that based upon Philippians that Paul has three things. He has his life, he has a relationship with the Philippians, and he has the money that the Philippians have given him. So Paul is not making, I I have nothing in life. I have no thing to have. I mean, he has a pen and a paper he's writing. So it's important that we understand exactly what Paul means here when he says that I have lost all things. What Paul is saying is that every source of security and confidence that people might have, for Paul it, it was his past Jewish identity, Everything, every ground of boasting and confidence that Paul at one time had, he has lost. It has been taken from him. Paul has nowhere to turn other than Christ. A way we might illustrate this is is like this. There are times in our lives whenever we are confronted with difficulty the Lord brings us into seasons of trial and testing. And during those times, our faith is purified. We are pruned, Jesus says in John. We are pruned, we are tested. And at those low points in life, we might have a thought like this, a very godly and pure thought. Lord, I have nothing but you. This world has nothing for me. I have nothing here, Lord. Now, literally, do you have nothing? 
No, you might have your own life, you might have family, you might have a number of things. But the point is this, the Lord has brought you so low that you know that ultimately you have confidence in nothing because all of these different areas of confidence that we usually put our trust in, whether it's finances or health or family or friendships, that sometimes in life the Lord takes those away and what we are ultimately left with is a raw and pure faith. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, I have nothing but you. That's what Paul is saying here. His confidence in other things, in other areas, has been stripped from him. It's been taken away. Paul's in prison. And Paul says with his heart that Jesus, all I have is you. That's what Paul is saying here. And I want us to take a specific look at this verb here. Remember, going to the passage, going to the text, for his sake I have suffered the loss. Now this verb is very important, very important. This verb is a passive verb. Passive verbs indicate that the action is being done to the subject. It's kind of like this. The cookies were eaten. Now, I didn't eat the cookies, okay? I didn't eat the cookies, but somebody did. The action is being done to the cookies. Paul here is receiving this action of suffering. The action is being done to Paul. Now, Paul is going along with this. Paul accepts Jesus' will for his life, but the action is being done to Paul. Now, to understand the significance, we need to go to Acts 9. Turn with me to Acts 9. Let's revisit this passage again. Go to Acts 9, verse 13. Keeping the verb in mind, the verb is passive. The suffering is being done to Paul. It's a top-down verb. Let's read in verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, Saul, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Let me pause here real quick. In Acts 9, there's this man named Saul. Now Saul and Paul are the same person. So whenever it says in Acts 9, Saul, later in life, after his conversion, after this passage, Paul changes his name from Saul to Paul. Reading again, verse 14, and here, this is Ananias talking to Jesus, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now hold your finger in Acts 9 and go back to Philippians. Philippians 3.8. 
Paul says this, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. Acts 9, 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul is taking in Philippians 3, 8, what Jesus said to Ananias in Acts 9, 16. And he's expressing it in his own words. And bringing it back to this verb, Jesus has a will, a sovereign will for Paul. Jesus picked Paul. He chose him. And part of this choosing, this plan, part of this plan involved suffering. Suffering loss. Whenever Paul says in Philippians 3.8 that he suffered the loss of all things, and whenever we see that that verb is passive, what it means is that Jesus has a will for Paul. And part of that will is to suffer. And Jesus is moving Paul through his life, through this various arenas of suffering. Philippians, this prison that Paul is in, is one of those arenas. And Paul is willingly going, undergoing this. But nonetheless, this suffering is top down. And what this means for you is this. In life as a Christian, you're going to experience loss. You're going to experience loss in this life. And that loss is a part of Jesus' will for you. And if you choose to follow Jesus, you sign up for losing. Now losing, experiencing loss is a part of life in general. All people experience loss. But in Christianity, it takes a different form and shape. Now this experience of loss, this experience of losing, this experience of having the different places of confidence that we usually put our trust and hope in, having those taken away by the Lord is painful. It is painful. It is painful to be able to say with Paul that for his sake, because of Jesus' surpassing worth, that we undergo suffering. That is very painful. Now, one of the tendencies when we go through difficulty as Christians is to run from it, is to run from difficulty, maybe even deny it, maybe even act like everything's just fine. And this is a tendency that we use to cope with it. We don't want to embrace it. We don't want to accept it because once we accept it, that becomes a reality. And the point of application for this point of experiencing loss, the way I want to apply this, is the Lord wants us to accept his will for our lives. Part of God's will for your life, dear Christian, is to experience loss. Just as Jesus had a will for Paul to experience loss, so also he has a will for you to experience loss. And we cannot run from this. The point of application is this. We must accept this loss. 
Accept it. Don't run from it. Don't deny it. But accept it. Now, dear friend, you don't have to like it. Okay, I'm not saying that you have to like it. But we do have to like Christ. And we do have to love him. And in this life, this life is a test. This life is one in which Jesus strips from us self-confidence. The process is painful. It hurts. But accept it. Don't run from it. Accept it and embrace it as the will of God for you. Second point. So the first point was experiencing loss and the second point is interpreting loss. Once again, Philippians 3.8, interpreting loss. So we will experience loss as Christians. We will have self-confidence stripped from us. How should we interpret it? I said that we should accept it, but can more be said? Yes, it can. Looking at 3.8 again. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them, I count the all things, as rubbish. Do you see this here? You see that word, rubbish. This is a very, very, very important word. But before I explain it, let me explain the all things. Paul says, I count all things as rubbish. I need to clarify here. Paul is not saying that he considers the gift, the Philippians' gift to him that we touched on last week, that he considers that rubbish. He is not saying that he considers his close and intimate relationship that he has with the Philippians as rubbish. Paul is not saying that he considers the apostles or the Old Testament as rubbish. What he is saying is that he considers all forms of self-confidence as rubbish. Paul is not dealing with things here, stuff. He's dealing with how the heart approaches those things. So that's a very important clarification. Paul considers all forms of self-confidence as rubbish. Now, I'm reading from an ESV. And one important way to know and understand the Bible, to better understand the Bible, is to compare English translations. I've mentioned this a number of times. This is a very helpful tool in understanding the Bible. And if you compare different translations here, what you get is a different word. If you have a King James Version, I think yours is going to say, dung, dung. The NIV, I believe, says garbage. So we have three different translations here. We have rubbish, we have garbage, and we have dung. Now, which one is right? I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one is right. One of my favorite professors in seminary, he translated this, he understands this, as a more explicit reference than even dung indicates. The point of the passage, the point is this. Paul has very strong words 
regarding self-confidence. That's the point. Now, the specific of how he gets there ultimately doesn't matter. But this is a very strong word. The closest Paul gets to using an expletive in the New Testament is right here. And notice what he's applying it to. Self-confidence. He's applying it to self-confidence. And what this highlights for the Christian life is a very important truth. Self-confidence will rob you of your relationship with Christ. You cannot simultaneously have Jesus and self. Look how strongly Paul speaks against self-confidence here. These are very strong words. And going back to Jesus' will for our lives, this notion of experiencing loss, Paul has experienced tremendous loss in his life. And it's been very difficult. But ultimately, after having these grounds of self-confidence stripped, Paul is looking back and he's interpreting what it is that he has lost. And it's in this prison that Paul finds the most joy. And he looks back on these forms of self-confidence that he once had, and he doesn't say, you know what, those are okay, those are good. He doesn't even say that those are bad. He says that they're dumb. He uses very grotesque language to describe self-confidence. You cannot have Jesus and self-confidence at the same time. And what the Lord does, the reason why the Lord purifies us, the reason why the Lord strips us, the reason why the Lord leads us into seasons in which we experience loss is for us to see that what Paul says here is true. This smacks us in the foreheads. It's, this was a very difficult passage to wrestle with for me personally this week because of the harshness of the statement. But what we need to do, the way that we need to approach this is to not just accept the notion of suffering, the notion of experiencing loss, but we also need to agree with the Lord that the process of loss is valuable. And the reason why it is valuable is because through it we see that all we have is Jesus. Dear friends, in this life there is no hope. You might think that there's hope, you might think that there's places of security, but at the end of the day those can and will be taken from you. And whether you're on a hospital bed, whether you're at a funeral, the Lord wants you to see that all you have is Christ. And the process of stripping gets us to that point. 
It is only through loss. It is only through experiencing loss that we can agree with Paul that what he says is true. I want us to accept loss and I want us to agree. Jesus wants you to agree that the loss you are experiencing right now leads you to him. So accept the will of God for your life and agree with it that ultimately we have nothing other than Christ. Last point for you this morning. Gaining Christ. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Third point, gaining Christ. The way to understand the end of verse eight and the beginning of verse nine is there's a conjunction here. And this conjunction is, quote, in order that. What this in order that is showing us is the purpose or reason for experiencing loss and considering loss, considering various forms of self-confidence as rubbish. What's the purpose? Why, Paul? Why do you experience loss? Why do you consider self-confidence as rubbish, as garbage, as dung? Why? What's the purpose? The purpose is that so that, in order that, I may gain Christ and be found in him. Now this gaining Christ, what it refers to as being filled more and more with Jesus and this being found in him, oftentimes whenever we see this word in, we think of being in Jesus like we're in a building. That's not what Paul is saying. He is speaking here of being in a personal relationship with Jesus. So the reason why, the purpose of loss the purpose that we should accept and agree with loss from the Lord in our lives, we should accept his will, is so that we might gain Christ and be found in him, be found in relationship with him. Now the difficult part about this part of the verse is when does this occur? When does it occur that we gain him and that we're found in him? Well, it's partially in this life. In this life, it's not all doom and gloom. In this life, Jesus can and will fill you with joy, mercy, and peace. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with Christ, what you must do, if you want to gain him and be found in him, you must reject all forms of self-confidence. You must totally, completely, and fully give your life to him and say, in, in this life, Jesus, I have nothing. And that by doing that, what happens is that you gain him. He becomes more of a treasure more valuable, more worthy to you. The Spirit fills you and you see that it is only Him that life is worth living for. That happens now. 
But it also happens later. As Christians, we believe that our best life is not now. This life is a test. This life is one of difficulty and trial, of persevering through that, that regardless of what happens in life, we believe that Jesus is good. But some of you might experience a degree of loss that you, would never, you will never recover from. There are examples of loss in this life that we never recover from, that our whole life, the rest of our pilgrimage, we walk with a limp. And ultimately, what we hope for is in the future. I want us to understand gaining Christ and being found in him as a little bit here, but most of it later. And for those who have experienced a degree of loss that leads you to walk with a limp your whole life, my message for you, the Lord's word for you, is this. One day, you will rise from the dead and you will see Jesus in his face. You will look at his face, the face of of the Lord who lived, died, rose from you and intercedes for you. You will look in his eyes. And that moment that you see him, your soul will be filled with unimaginable joy and hope and peace and mercy. And in that moment, you will understand the loss that you experienced. You will see that Jesus was worth it. You will ultimately see that the person of Jesus Christ, him and nothing else, is what is ultimately valuable and meaningful for you. Now we don't get it. Now we have questions. Now we don't see it but we walk by faith, not by sight. Dear friends, as Christians, we in this life toil and struggle. Our victory is coming. And if you've experienced tremendous loss, have faith. Have faith that one day, by denying yourself, by transferring all self forms, forms of self-confidence away from yourself and embracing fully and solely on Jesus Christ that one day by looking in his face it will all make sense pray with me Father we thank you for Paul we thank you for his example Father we ask and pray that you would lead us to accept your will for our lives to accept the loss and Lord the reason why we accept the loss is because we agree Father that we need to place our trust and hope in you and by experiencing loss we are more and more pushed to Jesus and by accepting 
and acknowledging and agreeing that all forms of self-confidence must be taken away and experiencing that loss, we gain Christ in this life but more fully in the next. Lord, I pray that you would fill the saints with your love and your joy and your peace. And Father, that by the Spirit we would see that Jesus, minus all things, is everything. Make him more precious to us, Father, we pray. Amen.